three, two, one. Welcome back to another episode of AT Talks. We're on topic four. I wish I knew when I started. This is the second episode. We have Lacey, we have Josh, and we have Brittany. If you could quickly introduce yourself and tell the AT Twitterverse a little bit about you and where you're from, I would appreciate it. Uh, I'll go first. Uh, my name is Brittany Backoffen. I am the athletic trainer at Chaparral High School in Las Vegas, Nevada. This is year seven of me being at CHAP um, and me being certified. Um, I'm also the uh, secretary of the Nevada Athletic Trainers Association. I'll go ahead and go second. My name is Lacey Harrison. I'm a clinical assistant professor at the University of Houston. I've been teaching there for two years and I've been certified since 2013. Josh Dossie, I live over here in Hammond, Louisiana with my, my wife and our two sons and our, our daughter on the way, which will be here late April, early, uh, early May. So that's gonna be a fun little adjustment there in spring football, but um, currently my ninth year in the profession, uh, my first year at Dutchtown High School in, uh, in Geismer, Louisiana, right outside of Baton Rouge. All right, today's topic, things I wish I knew when I started. Is there anything you would tell yourself either when you came into the profession or when you were an athletic training student? I'll go ahead and start. Um, I just wish, you know, I didn't know what, what athletic training was. You know, I kind of said my bio a little bit and we do these little intro bios. I had no clue what this was, what it, what they did. Um, I saw people on TV every now and then run on the field. We had a little small coach in high school that was the trainer guy, you know, he did stuff. Um, so I just wish I would have had a deeper historical background of what the profession was and what all we, we did. Uh, prior to my, my college education, obviously. Interesting. Um, I, I had a almost an opposite experience. I had a, a great athletic training staff when I was in high school. Um, we had three full-time athletic trainers um, in my high school. I grew up in Texas. Um, so there's a, there was a lot of money in uh, sports and uh, athletics like that. So um, I was really fortunate to have a really strong foundation of what athletic training was. And I thought it sounded like the coolest thing in the entire world. Um, going through undergrad, I feel like I didn't, I didn't have great outlets of trying to figure out how to manage a lot of different things going on at once. Um, especially when I was in the clinic, I think that I, uh, needed the time when I was by myself and I was certified to work on those, um, the, the, the trying to figure out how to talk to patients and how to do evaluations or rehabs. I think a lot of times when I was a student, I did a good job of, okay, I know this special test and I know all the range of motions I have to do. I would go through this list in my head of all the things that I needed to do to earn points, right, on my tests or on quizzes or whatever that might be. But then when a patient was sitting in front of me and they said, well, I have pain here, and then, okay, well, now that list is now is just kind of like exploded. So I think that my thing that I wish I would have known how to do was to work the problem backwards instead of working the problem from like a student perspective where you have to have the list of everything that you need to know. I wanted to get it the opposite way of, okay, this patient has pain. Okay, why do they have pain? Okay you know, go through your eval, go through your list, figure out which ones you need to do, figure out which ones are going to help you as opposed to just going through every single thing that you ever learned in class ever. So. 
had an, a similar experience to Josh where I didn't really know what athletic training was because my high school didn't have an athletic trainer. So doing observation hours, I think, is huge before students enter a program. So I teach in a master's program, and they have to do um, observation hours with two different athletic trainers, so hopefully two different settings. And I think that that would have really helped me before I um, got into college to really know what I was doing. But then um, after that, I wish I would have known more about getting into teaching because I really enjoyed teaching. I really enjoyed school. So I got my master's. I worked as a GA and then I wanted to get my PhD. So when I did that, um, I applied for a, a GA position at a local high school and I got it. But then I also had applied for a teaching position and everyone in the PhD program said, you don't have time to be an athletic trainer and complete in a normal amount of time. You should just take the teaching position. And I wanted to teach. So I did. So I wish I would have known to keep clinical practice going. Um, I was practicing on the side. I was working with a couple football leagues. I was working um, cycling, but now I'm in a faculty position and the graduate assistant positions don't count as experience. Even though I was at a small school, I wasn't really supervised. I was working wrestling. So um, I just wish that I, anyone who wants to continue, whether it's PhD or DAT, and that's for teaching, just make sure that you keep practicing because that's just going to build your resume. Yeah, kind of what Lacey was saying, you know, I, um, I had kind of both sides of the coin in my, my college experience, my undergrad. I had my teaching side that was all married, had kids, and then the staff side was not. They were all single and older. And I was like, man, like, here I am, like, engaged to my, my wife throughout the program. We get married my last year in school. And I'm like, shoot, like, I can't, <laughs> I can't work in college. Like, there's no way I can have a family and, and do this with, with her. You know, she understood the profession. She knew what she was getting into and with, with my, my field of study. But just like, like Lacey said, like, I kind of looked at teaching as a needed stepping stone for me um, because I'm having a family. You know, I have, I have kids now, like, I can't see myself at, at 55, 60, riding a bus to a soccer game in the middle, middle of January. Um, and so I'm kind of along, you know, her route now. I'm trying to figure out how do I progress my, my degree to that teaching realm. And that's going to be that, that DAT, that, uh, that EDD, whatever that requires of me to uh, get into the college setting and start, and start teaching. I have a master's, but it's not enough anymore. we got to go higher. we got to get higher ed. Um, and so, again, I wish those things would have been really kind of pushed into us, like she was saying, in the, in the early stages of our, of our careers and of our, our education. I think yeah. that you really, sorry, go ahead. No, I was going to say, I would agree. I think maybe some of our, you know, our master's programs are, um, you know, as like our undergraduate programs are moving into, you know, our master's program, I think like having that option of, um, of, of teaching or getting like some you know, certificate or degree or whatever, um, in order for us to teach, I think could be really helpful for a lot of athletic trainers. And I, I know I went to University of Michigan and they have one where you can do physical education, but I think that, you know, it opens so many doors, especially at the high school level, um, you know, to go, you know, to at least have the option to have a teaching certificate. That way you can, you know, kind of pick up work on both. That would be another thing that I was um, just talking to my husband about was, you know, if, if I were to do it all over again, I think my, I think my master's, if I would have maybe um, gotten it so when I got done with it, I could just go right into the classroom and start teaching as opposed to, 
um, I had to go through what they call an alternative route to licensure so I could teach in the classroom and do AT as well. Yeah, I think what you guys are both saying, it, it kind of makes me sad seeing my students talk about hours. So like exactly, Josh, what you were saying, I've had specifically female students that are like, I don't want to do this anymore because my preceptors told me I can't have a family. Um, and I didn't know about things such as like six to six or seven to seven rules that you can establish with your coaches. When I was a GA, I was working all kinds of hours. I was working holidays because I was working with wrestling. So I try to explain that to our students that they're kind of the turning point. Like they're the ones that are just now in these master's programs. Um, they need to ask about that in job interviews. Like you're allowed to ask, what are my hours like? Who am I reporting to? Um, what are my max amount of hours? And ask if you can like establish these six to six or seven to seven policies or even the 48 or 24 hour change in practice rules. Like I didn't even know that that was an option when I started working. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, especially working at a high school, like, I mean, I, I drill that into our coaches. My students and I were actually just talking about that, um, you know, making sure, okay, let's set some reasonable hours so that, you know, now we're in our third season, like most of these coaches, I mean, most of the coaches now, you know, it's, uh, you know, we don't, we don't need to be practicing for like five or six hours a day, right? Like we can end school at 2.30, you know, we don't need to be past here like at 4.30. So setting the setting those boundaries just in general as a clinician is so incredibly important. And I think giving students that, that insights almost to like, hey, like you need to set these barriers. If you set those barriers, like people will either follow them and like your program will flourish or you're going to have issues and, you know, and everyone's going to go crazy. So I, I, that is definitely something I have learned along the way. And I didn't, I don't think I realized when I graduated that I could do that. Um, but now, you know, like six or seven years in, I'm sitting here saying like, yeah, like who wants to be here past, you know, six o'clock, like not us, not this late in the season. So yeah, realizing that you can do that now is yeah. game for sure. And that's something Bryce and I, we did our version of this episode last night. And we felt as though we came out of school very prepared clinically, skill-wise, but we weren't, um, we, we didn't know all the other niches and new nuances. And like right now, I have that in my policy procedure manual. I have one paid medical availability. I'm here Monday to Friday this time. If there's a home game, I'll be at the home game. If you yeah. ends, 24 hours. Weekends, it's, uh, it's more than that. But it's a lot of that stuff you don't really get to practice or you don't really get the too much experience with. And then you get out in the real world and all it just runs you over. Yeah. <laughs> it's one of those things that, like, again, it'd be nice if a preceptor told you those things, but it's one of the things you learn. Like, kind of Brittany saying, I got in the field and I was like, I can't leave these kids. Like, I got to be here all the time. I got to be at every game, every practice. I got to be here, be here. And then I had a team run through football, run through playoffs. <laughs> Winter semifinal game, I'm like, hey, guys, I love y'all, but I'm going to Disney World for a week, and I'll yeah. see you on Saturday for a state championship game. And you know what? Y'all survived. Yeah. I came back. We played We played state game. It was all good. Like, they're good. They're good. Like, they don't need us here all the time. You know, in this job, Matt, now, they have two ATs there. It's The policy procedures is very established. The operating procedures is very established. And, you know, coaches know that. Like, we had a coach change a soccer game on the school master calendar, but didn't tell us. So I'm sitting at school waiting for a game to happen. He never shows up. No one shows up. So I text the coach, hey, we got moved till 3.30. Well, coach, I'm out. I've been here since one, waiting for a game. You didn't tell us. You know, call EMS. You know, we'll, 
and they'll take care of all injuries. Let the opposing staff know that by their team. Like we can't, we can't bend our, our lives to the coaches, unfortunately, all the time. That's something you don't learn until, you know, you get in the field and you have to cut your teeth on that in yeah. this profession. And I think that's one of the biggest struggles, like in our profession is we're really the only medical professionals, right, that have to deal with that sort of expectation, right? I mean, if you're a PT, you're working set amount of hours and your patients got to go in between these hours, right? If you're a nurse, if you're a doctor, like these are our hours, like you got to make an appointment and you're there for these amount of hours, right? We're the only ones that kind of have to, uh, to work together with the people that are kind of like around us and kind of be flexible about those hours. And, you know, a lot of ATs, especially the younger ones, they get, you know, a lot of coaches take advantage of that. Um, especially when you see like those GAs that, um, that work at the college level, I've noticed that they say, Oh, we're here like, you know, 15 hours a day and da da da. And like, they just get so burnt out because they, they don't set those, they can't set those barriers. They don't, for whatever reason, the barriers don't get set. And, it's upsetting. And those are the people that end up, you know, leaving in a few years after. Yeah. I don't know if you guys serve as preceptors and I keep like throwing the educational side into this, but it's so important for preceptors because I can preach that in class. And then they're like, you know, well, we're at football and you know, the GAs are working just like you said, so many hours. So as a preceptor, if you can teach that on the clinical side, they're the next generation that's coming up. So nothing's going to change unless those students understand they need to make a schedule. And then along those same lines, when I was a preceptor, I didn't know hardly anything about athletic training education. Luckily, when I started teaching, the standards were changing. So like no one really knew what was going on. Um, but I think it's so important for our preceptors and everyone to be educated on what's going on because with the changes right now, sometimes the students are learning stuff that the preceptors didn't learn. Like I'm having to be trained on stuff to teach stuff that I didn't learn when I was an undergrad. And it's just so helpful if we want the profession to change as young preceptors and young professionals, we need to see, be the change with the students. Absolutely. Absolutely. We're, um, we're, we're a site for LSU and, you know, all three of us preceptors for LSU students. We have three interns with us and we tell them all the time, look, you need a day, just call us, just text us. Hey, Josh, I'm not feeling it today. I got all these tests. Cool. Take day off we'll see you the next day or take two days off. Like we'll, we'll see you the next day. You know, it's good. Take care of yourself. Cause if there's no self care, you can't care for self. You can't care for anybody. And, um, we got our senior student, we're like, look, Lyric, baby, we love you. You gotta go like go study for your test in March. Like go do your thing. We're, we're going to survive. Like we're, we're good. Um, go pass this BOC, go become a, a certified and then call us for a job when you, <laughs> when you get out, yeah. you know, then that's one thing like you're saying, Lacey, we got to teach these kids, if we weren't taught that, you know, if all, if all we're seeing is work, 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 it's right. not going to work. And so yeah. we got to, you know, instill that in them. Yeah, I'm a, I'm a site for UNLV and I try and preach as, as much self-care to my UNLV students as, as much as I can. Um, you know, the, uh, the, I, I'm on the same boat as like, hey, if you guys need a day, take a day, you know. Um, preceptors like have fun at your job like enjoy what you do like spread that love to your students because um sometimes they need that their previous sites weren't you know maybe the best opportunities for them and they you know they they really need if you got the energy like use that energy um and just be the preceptor that i don't know maybe you wish you had at certain sites um but yeah i, I same boat preceptors 
Ooh, <laughs> is there anything we, we would tell tell ourselves a younger version of ourselves or we feel like we hit the stuff we wanted to talk about and the only thing i would add is filling out the volunteer forms so for um i didn't really know how to get involved like mm -hmm. state regional or even like the american college of sports medicine if we kind of you know try to broaden outside of athletic training they all have volunteer forms they're always looking for volunteers you just get on there and you like type your name in and click some committees and they contact you so easy and you can network all over the place. I wish I would have known that multiple years ago. Yeah, those, those connections are important. That, that network is, you know, we're trying to steal my kids now. You know, it's important. Like, I got this job now because the network knew who I was and how good I was as an athletic trainer. And I, I did work in an event with a guy who's the head of this school too. And so that, that helped. And he, my name got dropped because of just my credibility. But that networking, like build your network now, build your portfolio now of people to call on, make, make yourself marketable every time you talk to somebody. You don't want to just like over, over push, like oversell, but you need to sell yourself a little bit so you're, you're remembered, so you kind of stand out um, in those, those interviews and in those times, like when you get a random job offer from a phone call. Yeah. I would take my younger self, I would shake her, and I would say, it's okay to be wrong. It's okay to not be perfect. It's okay to be wrong about things. Like I, I felt like I was such a perfectionist or I tried to be such a perfectionist when I was younger. And you know, you miss a question on a test and you get like, you beat yourself up about it or you have a patient and you were totally wrong about something. And I just, I would beat myself up about it like constantly. Um, it wasn't until later on when I realized that it was okay to be wrong and it's okay to like tell people that you you don't know something it's okay to do that. And I, I didn't realize that until a lot later in the game. And I would, I would probably fill myself with a little bit more positivity of like, it's okay to be wrong. It's okay to not be perfect. So that was, that was in my own head when I was younger. So. <laughs> All right. Last call. If not, we're closing. Close it. All right. Well, you got it, man. If you're spending time out of your day to come and join me on AT talks and um, I'm so happy finally to get Josh on besides that the solo video you did by yourself. So that was awesome to put it up. And I see you, Lacey, and I see you, Brittany. Um, I would like to have you back for future topics. I don't know what those are because I let Twitter vote on them. But thank you for your time and have a great rest of your Wednesday. Thanks. All right, Thank you, bud. Yeah.